Do you want to reach the people that you love most with the good news of God's grace? Join author and international evangelist Sammy Tippett as he interviews Christian leaders who will ignite your passion to bring others to Christ. Well, I greet you all again, and I want to welcome you to this podcast, Ignite Your Passion, a podcast that really helps you, educates, and encourages you to to be a person who shares your faith, to help your church, to help pastors, to share their faith in Christ and encourage their churches to do the same. Uh, Also, we're doing something a little different today because of who I'm interviewing, and I'm so excited about today's podcast, but we're going to put this on our uh, Ignite Your Faith podcast as well, uh, where we talk about spiritual renewal, revival, and also our Facebook page. So I want to welcome all of you from all of those venues to this particular podcast, and uh, I just believe we're going to have a great time. We have with us Dr. Chuck Kelly. Uh, Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for being here with us. We, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. Thank you. It is my honor to be with you, Sammy. I'm so grateful for your evangelistic ministry and impact all over the world and what you've been doing. It's just a joy for me to be with you today. Well, thank you so much. And Dr. Kelly is president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, Dr. Kelly, you may not know this, but that's where God really put his finger on my life and thrust me out. Uh, there was a guy working actually for your father-in-law, Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy's name was Leo Humphrey. I don't know if you ever oh, yes. knew Leo. And uh, Leo was so on fire for the Lord. And, and I well, came down there to to just go on the streets of Bourbon Street, sharing Christ with Leo. And uh, he got me a room at New Orleans Seminary yep. <laughs> to stay. And there was an evangelism conference being held there. And yep. and and the Lord just really touched my life during that time. And so it was a special time. And uh, if you were with Leo Humphrey, your fire was going to get lit. That's uh, right. Winner and passionate witness he was. Uh, he was, and 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 I have so so many great memories of him. But 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 you, um, you know, I have dear friends have told me said Sammy, Doctor Kelly is president of New Orleans Seminary, but he's really an evangelist. <laughs> and uh, tell us about that. Tell us about your heart for evangelism. How did you develop that? You're a seminary president and uh, been involved in academia, but you really have a heart for evangelism. How did, how did you get that heart? How did that, that come about? Well, it's the passion of my life. I guess it started uh, because of the impact of Paige Patterson on my life. Uh, Paige is very passionate about evangelism, and I started going with he and Dorothy to Southern Baptist Conventions when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And the first convention I went to, I rode around with Paige in taxis and things, and he would always witness to the taxi driver. And we got in a cab, and I was about 12 years old, and he started talking to the driver, and he said, "Uh, well, by the way, uh, you've been hauling Southern Baptist around all over this city. Has anybody ever told you how to go to heaven? He said, well, no, I, I, nobody ever has. He said, do you know how to go to heaven? He said, no, I don't. He said, that's wonderful. My young friend here is going to explain it to you. And he sat there <laughs> quietly, and all of a sudden I realized, okay, I've got to say something. That was literally my first witness encounter. And from that point, I began to feel a greater burden of telling people about Christ. My church was an evangelistic church and really encouraged that. Went on mission trips as a high school kid, shared Christ throughout my high school experience and in college, did collegiate ministry while I was a student at Baylor University. And my assignment was to work with freshmen in particular, but to do evangelism and discipleship 
with the men on the campus. And so I'd spend four or five nights a week going door to door in the dorms of Baylor, sharing Christ and teaching Bible studies. And that really fed that passion. Fell in love and married the daughter of Bob Harrington, the chaplain of Bourbon Street. And being around him, uh, you can't help but be evangelistic. And uh, I didn't know, I thought I was going to do collegiate ministry, but God called me to seminary. And very quickly, I began realizing he wanted me to do evangelism. And that became my vocational calling. So from the days of my seminary student life, I've been called to evangelism. And that's been the focal point of all of my studies. I'm a professional scholar now in evangelism, taught evangelism here for 13 years before I became seminary president, stayed engaged. So it is my great passion. Well, I tell you what, what a, what a blessing that is. And, and you know, we, we, my heart's desire at this, you get to a certain age that your heart's desire is to see, okay, what about the next generation? And, yeah. and I want us to talk about that in just a minute. But uh, before we get there, though, I know that you've got a book, Fuel the Fire is, is the name of the book that has come out and it addresses the decline of evangelism in the Southern Baptist Con Convention. Am, am I correct in that assumption? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of an overview of the, the story of evangelism in Southern Baptist life uh, over its history and then focus on what's happening now. And we're at a crisis in the Southern Baptist Convention of evangelism, unlike any other we've ever had before. So it addresses that. Okay, well, I, I want us to talk about that because, you know, Southern Baptists, and, and, and we have a lot of people from a lot of different denominations who watch, watch this or be viewing this, but Southern Baptists have been a leader in evangelism among evangelicals around the world. And yeah. so when there is a decline uh, in that, then, then it's not only shocking for our denomination, but for churches around the world, we have to say, what's happening? What's going on? What is your assessment of what what is happening and and where where we've kind of gotten off the 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 straight and narrow of being passionate about sharing Christ with others? What's happened? Well, it's a variety of things. I would say at the heart of it, I'm going to surprise you maybe a little bit. The heart of it, I think, is a failure in discipleship that every evangelism strategy ever made from the New Testament era until today, has one assumption, the life of a Christian, a man in Christ, is different than the life of someone without Christ. And the more we look like the world, the less we're looking like Jesus. It's our looking like Jesus that attracts the attention of the world to us and gives us an opportunity to share and that demonstrates to the world this is what Jesus does with the life. So that's at the core. Southern Baptists have kind of lost our vision for congregational discipleship and encouraging and helping our people look more and more like Jesus. And as a result, we've had less and less witness. Our neighbors notice us less and less. We don't stand mm -hmm. out. Uh, we don't have opportunities to share. We don't think about sharing. Uh, then the second thing is the decline in intentionality of that uh, lack of focus on this is something that I must do. As you know, Sammy, there is always a current nudging people away from evangelism. There are always other things to do. So you have to intentionally seek to share your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you stop that intentional focus, then you will witness and share less and less. You'll be consumed by other things. So I think those are probably two of the biggest things that a lack of discipleship and true, genuine Christ-likeness and then that lack of intentionality and setting out 
to tell people about Jesus. Well, I'm going to just hang out here for just a moment because, you know, I was an, an evangelist, a youth evangelist, the first 10 years of my ministry. Then I pastored for eight years. And then I went back and for the past, I don't know, 35 or so years I've been in full-time international evangelism. But my first pastorate was in Germany, an American military community. Yes. Our church exploded in growth, but it happened through what I call discipleship evangelism, where I disciple some men, my wife disciples some gals, and, and we took them and began to teach them how to walk with God, just how to simply grow in their faith in Christ. And out of that, when they began to grow, their hearts wanted to share Christ because when you become like Jesus, you, you want to share Christ. He came to this earth to seek and save that which is lost. And well, so you, you, you want, want to, to share, yeah, you that's want to right. share Christ. And then when you look like Christ, you arouse people's curiosity. People notice, okay, there's something different about you. And it gives that punch to your witness. Yeah. And I, you know, I think sometimes among those of us who are evangelistic, we, we kind of are standoffish to discipleship. And for those who are disciple makers, strong disciple makers, kind of look at those who are evangelistic as shallow. And, and we've kind of got this dichotomy when really the two are one. Well, that's why I coined a word in my book uh, called discipleism. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is evangelistic discipleship. It is sharing our faith in Jesus Christ in order to grow fully devoted followers of Christ and holding on to both of those things at the same time, refusing to give one a priority over the other, that we are growing in Christ-likeness and telling people about the Jesus we know. And that and discipleism, I think, is the real key. Well, I think that you have tapped into something that is incredibly powerful. Uh, in Brazil, the Brazilian, I have a partnership with the Brazilian Baptist Convention down there, and they have tapped into this thing, and it is exploding. And uh, in, in with reaching people for Christ and helping them to grow in Christ, planting churches, starting churches. It's just a, an amazing thing that's taking place. And, and people around the world are catching this, but it seems like we get in these arguments or conflicts over, <laughs> over this rather than saying, hey, you look in the scripture and it's there. And so uh, thank you for, for really going down that, that road and, and sharing that. Absolutely. So. What, what has happened, so, so this has happened, we've, we've lost an intentionality, we've lost the focus on discipleship, how do we turn that around? And, and you're working with a, a new generation, one of the things that's my concern is there are not a lot of younger evangelists out there. People don't even know that that's a, a vocational calling. Uh, when well, I came I'll... to Christ, you know, your, your father-in-law was there, and there were many other a great evangelist, and, 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 and now today we just don't have a lot. So how do we turn this around? I think it begins with us accepting, again, the priority of the Great Commission. Here's just a little statistical snapshot of the SBC. For 17 consecutive years, we've baptized fewer people than the year before, 17 wow. years of declining baptisms. About a decade, nearly all of the last 10 years, uh, loss of membership every year. Uh, for nearly a decade, Fewer people in worship every year. For nearly a decade, fewer people in Bible study, Sunday school, whatever your small group strategy is. The really shocking thing to me has been, as I tell people about that, that statistical profile doesn't shock or concern. 
Mm-hmm. And to see that in today's Southern Baptist Convention, which, as you said earlier, has always so prioritized evangelism, not much concern about that. That, to me, is the most shocking development, because evangelism always starts with the passion. As you talked about our dear friend Leo Humphrey and his evangelistic zeal and passion, uh, you know it, it just always comes out of a passion for people to know Christ. So I think focusing on recovering that passion that people are lost, they're on their way to hell. People don't think about eternity uh, at all these days. They're so absorbed in daily life. That's the world, not surprising. They don't know any different. But the church thinks less and less about anything other than what's immediately in front of them. The Bible speaks to the needs of today very clearly, powerfully, gives us opportunities to witness. But it's that realizing that clock on eternity is counting down for people who will spend eternity in heaven or in hell That doesn't cross the mind of many believers today. So we need to recover a sense of the urgency of sharing our faith in Christ. The, uh, you know, revival, when we talk about revival and renewal and spiritual awakening, from my personal study, it's been two things of cause it. And it's basically the two things you talked about. One is we see our lack of holiness and our need to become more like Christ. And two is we see the loss around us. And when those two things happen, we're on the road to revival. How do we get on that road? How do we recover that that focus, that passion? How how what steps can an individual Christian take or a pastor take uh, it, to help his church to recover that? How how do how, what what do we do? Well, one of the things that we teach our students, we have a a wonderful scholarship program for uh, those who are serving in small and bivocational churches. And a donor pays all of their seminary uh, tuition and fees. And we have one caveat. If you receive that scholarship, you have to share your faith at least once a week, explaining the gospel to somebody who's lost. To teach them how to do that, we ask them to have a Monday morning prayer with the Lord. And here's the Monday morning prayer. When that alarm clock goes off and you put your feet on the floor, you're ready to start your week on that Monday morning pray. Father, I ask you to give me an opportunity to explain the gospel to at least one person this week. Pray. Hmm. That's where it starts. Second, I think, is to set a goal, an intentional goal. For these students, they have a goal of at least one time every week, explain the gospel to somebody. That's not saying, have a blessed day. That's not uh, saying Jesus loved, that's explaining how to be saved to somebody once a week. Have a goal uh, that you want to accomplish. Number three, have a place to start. Where are you going to start? You might look through your family and say, is there anybody in my family that I've never explained the gospel to? Start with your personal testimony. Tell them what Jesus means to you. And go there. Maybe somebody at work would get a list of places where you can start, somebody who could be your first op- your first attempt to share your faith in Jesus Christ. And then a fourth thing that I would recommend is to be around people, expose yourself to people who are passionate about evangelism, like your podcast uh, that you do and your ministry, people like you, because we need to be around fire to keep our fire burning. 
And yeah. that's very, very important. So those are some simple ways to start. And, you know, I think as pastors and as leaders, you know, if we're not evangelistic, uh, it's going to be hard to get our, our people to be evangelistic. Uh, I don't know if you ever knew Garland McKee. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Garland was the pastor under whose ministry I came to Christ oh, uh, there in Baton Rouge. He was at a Struma Baptist Church. Yes. Yes. And Garland had made a commitment early on in his, his, his Christian life that every day he would share Christ with an admittedly lost person, not yes. someone who, you know, someone who said, yeah, I know that, you know, I, I'm not a Christian. He would share with someone, and he, and he told me many years later, he said, Sammy, I've kept that commitment on, you know, all through my life, except for a couple of days when I was sick and couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> yep. and, and you know what? That kind of thing. Now, I never, I never saw him do that, but that, whole, that, that permeated his whole ministry, and that captured my heart. And one of the reasons I became evangelistic was I, I, I kind of caught the fire. Like you were saying, you're around Leo, you catch the fire. And, 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 and I think that's a really important thing for us who are leaders to, to mentor and to ex- be an example of, of sharing Christ. Paige did that with you. Did that uh, with me. And, and let me give you a great place for a pastor to begin a specific focus within the confines of his church. Uh, everywhere I go, when I, the program allows me the time, I like to ask the question, how many of you came to Christ before the age of 18? It's usually 80, 90 percent, mm-hmm. never less than 70 percent of people will say, I came to Christ before the age of 18. Our baptisms of their decline, the group that has declined the fastest is people under the age of 18. Well, that's interesting. Good place to start is to say, okay, I'm pastoring a church. I want to set a goal of explaining the gospel to everyone under the age of 18 in my congregation. And maybe say, well, from 10 or so to 18 of years, I would start by meeting with the parents of those kids and said, I want an opportunity to explain to your kids how to become a Christian, what the gospel is all about. Would I have your permission to come to your home? and to talk with your child, uh, and then just to just who's on the road, who's there, and just to have that opportunity to do that. You're doing two things. You're explaining the gospel to people. Even if that child is not ready to accept Christ at that time, you're planting the seed of the gospel, but you're also showing those kids an evangelistic pastor yeah. and what it looks like in that intentionality. And to make a focal point of the Sunday school or Bible study groups of the kids in the church and to see if you could have one Sunday school lesson in the departments from age 18 and below to explain the gospel. Ask the teachers, could I come in once a year and just have a gospel explanation session with the kids? Well, you're beginning to set a thermostat in the congregation that this is really important you're communicating that to the parents, maybe even have a session or two with parents on how to explain the gospel to your children. But just to make a focal point, if you want to say, okay, I'm a little intimidated by witnessing out in the world. Well, I think you can handle that, but let's just say, okay, start inside the church. Start with the youth in the church from 12 to 18 and see what happens. So that there are always places to start and you want to try to model for the next generation as well as sharing the Christ with those present. 
Yeah, and you know, the, uh, the great revivals, most of them, not all of them, but most of them began, uh, historically have begun with young people. They've been youth movements. And part of the reason for that is that's, that's the time that people are the most open to the gospel. It's when people are sorting out who they are and what they yeah. value and all of that. There's, there's a reason for these things. And this is what happens when a church ceases to be evangelistic and you stop that focus on people at their later age. I am delighted every time an adult comes to Christ. It's ecstatic when a senior adult comes to Christ. And we can see that happen as we share the gospel with people. But the most ready, the most prepared group to give their lives to Christ are those people who are under the age of 18. And if you think only in terms of statistics, they are statistically far more likely to give their life to Christ at that time. And if they do, they have all those years ahead when they can share Christ. I use one example of people understanding why it's important to reach those kids for Christ. I began living for Christ when I was in high school, very seriously, very intentionally seeking to share my faith. I pledged a fraternity in college with the specific goal of sharing Christ with every single member of the fraternity in a one-on-one congregation. I did the commencement address at my high school graduation, first student in history allowed to do that. I talked about Christ in that commencement address, shared with all the guys on my football team before I left uh, high school, all those things. Now, I came to Christ when I was younger, and I did all that. If I could not come to Christ until I was 25 years old, it would have been a glorious day when I was saved. But who would have shared Christ with all the guys on my football team? Yeah. Who would have shared Christ in that commencement address in my high school? Yeah. Who would have shared Christ with all the guys in my fraternity? Nobody else did. And so you're, you're not only, when you don't win your kids to Christ, you're not only delaying their coming to Christ and all that could happen, but you are losing every witness opportunity they would have. And that ripples enormously. Yeah. And I tell you what, if I have any regrets in my life, it, it's that regret. I, I was, I had already graduated from Astruma High School in Baton Rouge. And I was just starting LSU when I came to know Christ. And uh, my girlfriend's father put some pressure on me if if I wanted to see his daughter to go to church. And they were having a youth evangelistic meeting. And I heard the gospel and responded, gave my heart to Christ. And and, and everything's been changed since then. However, all those kids, it was the largest graduating class or second largest graduating class in the history of, of that school. We had yeah. 500 and something students and they're all gone. Now they're all spread to different places. And so I, I didn't have that opportunity to go back and share with them what happened to me. Now, just about three or four years later, uh, the Baton Rouge advocate did a two page spread on my ministry in my life. And I was able to share my testimony, but I'd prayed and wanted so much to, to be able to share uh, with, with my friends, what, what had happened to me, you know, and I was a leader at our school and, and, and I wanted them to know. And so, you know, if I have any regrets, it was that I did not come to Christ while I was still in high school. Uh, you know, because I, I just, people that I love so much and were so dear to me now they were gone, couldn't find them. And, and so it, it, it is critically important, but this is, a, this is a great place to start. What do you think, um, sort of more on a corporate basis, a larger scale, how do we renew the vision 
uh, within the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're thankful for what you're doing at New Orleans Seminary, producing a, 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 a group of young people who are coming out who uh, learn these great truths and, and what you're doing at New Orleans Seminary. How, how can we, on a broader scale, not just even Southern Baptist Convention, other denominations, churches, how can we, is there anything we can do on a larger scale to try to affect uh, a revival of evangelism? And because I believe we, this is the answer for our problems in America. We complain a lot about politics and all these other things, but the heart of the matter is people need Jesus. And when he changes their lives, so how do we affect that in the life of churches uh, across America? Most important thing, bang the drum. Bang the drum about the importance of evangelism. Bang the drum about the lostness of people. Just talk about it in every possible way, in every possible venue. Keep that uh, call to sharing Christ. Keep that call to looking at the lost. Keep that before people all the time. And if you're not banging that drum all the time, then the purpose of evangelism gets lost in the shuffle of everything that is. You can't ever bang it enough, bang the drum. The second thing that I would say is start, mm -hmm. just start. And as you start, talk about what you're doing, how you're sharing your faith uh, and keep those stories in front of people and don't wait for a perfect opportunity. Don't wait for exactly the right combination of circumstances. Don't wait for a perfect plan. <laughs> Just start. The third thing that I would say is set in motion as much as you can, that many people get lost in the quest for a silver bullet. What one thing can I do that will result in everybody coming to Christ? There isn't one silver bullet. Do everything that you can. Revival crusades, evangelistic crusades, that's a great methodology that you have seen touch lives all over the world. Personal evangelism strategies that teach people how to share their faith, that's a great opportunity. Teaching people to ask a server every time you go out to eat, can I pray for you before I begin the meal because Christ has meant so much to me and I like to pray for people. That's a start. Anything that you can do, social media post for evangelism, uh, websites, any, anything that you can do, you know, pizza for Christ for teenagers on, on Saturday nights, anything that you can do, just set as many different strategies in motion. Don't waste time looking for the perfect strategy. Just set things in motion, see what God blesses. And as things begin to get traction and take hold, we'll magnify those. If something doesn't work, we'll move on and try something else but do as much as you can. And then finally, pray, 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 pray. I, you know, I was in Sicily just a few weeks ago and uh, ministering there and a, a sort of a totally evangelical community there yeah. uh, ministering and uh, was with a pastor and it's, you know, that Italy has a tremendously high unemployment rate. And uh, his, his son was there and we were having a meal together and I asked his son what he did. He was 21. He said, man, you know, it's hard to get a job. I said, well, what do you do with your time? And he says, well, I like to draw uh, these superheroes. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And so I said, can I see one? And he showed me and the kid had talent. I'm telling you. Yeah. He had great. I said, well, you know what you ought to do? Uh, he, he said, what? I said, you ought to take your talent with these superhero guys and, and do it for Jesus. 
And he said, how would I do that? I said, I don't know. Draw one with Jesus. One, one of the superheroes bound before Jesus. So he just sent me last week <laughs> a picture that he drew and he put up on, 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 on uh, social media of, of, of superhero bowing before Jesus and saying, That's Jesus great. is the only superhero. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, funny. I've written him a script, to, uh, an evangelistic script, yeah. and sent it to him and I said, look, put this together and let's put a little video together that, that'll reach your generation, you know? And so there's talent within our churches and we've just never let them released it say, Hey, be creative, use this for the glory of God. You know? And, and I, I really think we need to begin to dream of how we can reach people for Christ. Well, and that's what I mean about banging that drum because you just want to get people thinking about it because as people think about it, then they think about, okay, what, what can I do? What, what, who am I? What tools do I have? What can I do? Yeah. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know your time is valuable and I know you've got a chapel to go to, but uh, really appreciate this. This is real helpful. And I, I'm praying that God will use this to stir in all of the hearts of those who listen, hear, watch this uh, broadcast to, to really share Christ with others and lead others to do it. Uh, and I, this discipleship evangelism, discipleism is what you call it, right? Yep. In the book, correct. in the book, tell, tell us how we can get the book before we close. Uh, Fear of the Fire is the name of the book, and it's available at Amazon.com. If you use Amazon or in Lifeway bookstores, or they can order it for you if they don't have it uh, in stock, but the easiest way would probably be Amazon.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kelly, and it's been such a joy to visit with you today. God bless you. And next week, we'll be back with Ignite Your Passion, your passion for sharing Christ with others. God bless all of you. We hope you've been encouraged. If you'd like to hear more, visit sammytippett.org. There you'll hear podcasts, watch daily devotionals, and obtain books by Sammy that will ignite your faith, your love of family, and a passion to reach others.